Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wiley, Texas. Let's go on in and see what J.R. Franklin has to teach us today. Okay. Let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we had to come together in your house this morning. We ask that you just bless this service coming and going. Father, we ask that you bless each person that's here in this room today. Watch over us, lead us, guide us, and direct us. Father, keep us in the right frame of mind and keep us in the right place that we need to be. Watch over us as we go through this trying time of cold weather. Father, be with the ones that are sick today and out. Be with Don and Mary. Be with everybody. Michael Rose, everybody that's out sick today, Father, just touch them in a mighty way. Let them receive a healing that they need to make their body strong and straight. Watch us as we go through our tithes and offerings this morning to let us do what we need to do. And bless the service of the communion that we're fixing to do. Just give us strength, give us courage. And let us walk through this world with you in our eyes. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good to see y'all. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Days are getting better. Things are getting beginning to move forward a little bit. Talked to Don a little bit this week. He's doing a little bit better than he was. He's he still got to get his mind on getting well, but he's getting there. So y'all keep him in your prayers. If you get a chance, pick up the phone and give him a phone call and say, get well. And then uh, be with Mary, too, this week because she's still struggling with the loss of Brad. She's got her friends from out of state with her right now, and she's doing better than she was, but it's going to be hard for her. So let's keep her in our prayers, keep her in our memories. And right now, I don't know of anything that she needs or wants that's not being done. So, But it would help if some folks would give her a phone call and just say, hey, how you doing? Let her know that she's loved. It's a trying time. Be with each one of us as we all go through different parts of our healing that's going on in our lives. Y'all can tell my face is getting a little bit better. The bell posse is, but the looks aren't. Looks ain't never going to get better, Tim. But there's one thing about it. As long as you're alive, I'm not the ugliest one in the room. <laughs> so, hey, I got something to look forward to. But, but you know... We can rejoice in a lot of things, can't we? Although there's a lot of trouble going on around us and our numbers are a little bit low right now, we still got a reason to rejoice. We still serve the risen Savior. And God is still on the throne. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus is still giving us strength beyond our recognition and beyond what we even deserve. So be joyful. Even in times of troubles, we're supposed to be joyful. Matter of fact, he says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And, you know, Christ told his disciples on the mountain as he departed to go into heaven. He said, I leave with you my joy. How much joy did Christ have? He had to have a bunch because he left a whole lot of it here for us. And it's up to us to either utilize that joy or look at the defeat that's going on around us. And where does your strength come from? From Christ who strengthens me. He's our healer. He's our savior. He's our Lord. He's our king of kings. He is everything we need him to be. But we have to do our part. He's already done his. It's up to us to receive it. 
It's up to us to re accept it, and it's up to us to live it. And we have to get our minds straight on what's important in life. We'll get into that in a minute. Right now, bless the offering that we're going to take up. Dear Heavenly Father, I bless this offering this morning. Let it be used to glorify your kingdom. Let it be used to do your work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all be seated. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we have to come together and worship you in a ceremony of worship. Father, we just ask that you just watch over us as we go through it. Let each heart that takes partakes of this uh, of this worship is part of your life and that you are part of their life and that they have received you as Lord and Savior. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus was in the at the last Passover with his disciples before he was brought to the garden to be arrested and to be crucified. He wanted to have the last Passover meal with them that night. So he had instructed the disciples to go and prepare the room, and he did. And after they had eaten, as customary in the meal, he took the bread. And he held the bread in his hands, and he said, Dear Heavenly Father, this bread represents my body that's going to be given and broken for all of them. And he said, disciples, to take and eat of it. And they did. After they had eaten of the bread, he picked up the cup. He held the cup to his father saying, dear Heavenly Father, this cup represents the blood that I'm going to shed to wash away their sins and to seal the covenant between you and them. And he told his disciples, take and drink. And after they'd finished eating and drinking, he told them that this was a symbol to be used to recognize what he was going to do for them. And he instructed them, their instructions was to do this and do it often. So we do it often. And we do it with reverence to Christ of who he is and what he was. He gave his body for our sicknesses and our illnesses. He was beaten and broken for our iniquities, our transgressions. His blood was shed to wash away our sins. And if we remember this every time we do communion, we are celebrating what he did for us and remembering who he is in our life. Our communion with Christ shouldn't only be once a month, guys. Our communion with Christ should be every day. We should always remember what he gave for us, what he gave up for us, and what he did for us. And the most important thing that we should remember is this. He came down from heaven to earth to pay the price for sin that belonged to us. He took it all upon himself. He was crucified, buried, and resurrected, and ascended back into heaven prepare us a place and the reason he went back to prepare us a place is because we're going to join him in heaven for those who believe in jesus christ as lord and savior you have eternal life with god and that's a promise that he holds today all right a lot of times we get into these situations and these times of troubles and we look at the world around us and we see all the hate, the hate, the contentment, 
all the confusion, all the sickness, all the death, all the things that we look at on a daily basis, and we get discouraged, don't we? We get really discouraged, don't we? Be real. Let's be real. We get discouraged. We get down. We get sometimes lonely even. And sometimes we try to figure out, why is all this going on? What's it all about? Why do we, why do we have to live through all this stuff? You know, this question has been asked since, I think Tony said, B4, uh, 4 B.C. That's before Christ. And it's been asked all the way through to 2022 now. The answer is simple, if you think about it. The world we live in is corrupted. The world we live in is cursed. By design. Everybody says, well, did God design it? That? Yep. God does not. There's nothing that goes on on this earth. Nothing that has ever happened, that ever will happen, that is not under the control of God. God controls it all. He is the creator of all things. And he tells us in his words how to live through all these disasters and how to get through all these trials and how to get through all the temptations of it. He gives us the answer of how to do it. Time and time again throughout the Bible, it talks about the Messiah coming. It talks about Jesus going to come and save the world. Old Testament, they thought that meant he was going to come in the physical and become king of the world and make everything right. Well, hindsight tells us that's not what the plan was at all, was it? The plan was for him to come to the earth, die on the cross, and fix it to where we can be reunited with God. Through belief in him, we can be reunited with the, the creator. So it's very important that we understand what all this means and what, what do we got to do in order to receive what God planned for us. Now, it's an easy solution, isn't it? Very, very well-known solution to it. Believe in Jesus Christ with all your mind, body, and heart. Call him Lord and Savior and turn your life over to him. In the story, right? No, not even close. In the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, he talks about some stuff that's kind of important to us today, stuff that we need to understand and know today. I want you to go with me to chapter 1, verse 1, and here we go. Y'all ready? The words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. Vanity, or vanities, says the preacher. Vanity and vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man from all the labor in which he toils under the sun? No generation passes away and another generation comes. But the earth abides forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down. 
and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continuously and comes again on, on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot experience it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is not what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. This Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new? It has been already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of the former things, nor will there be remembrance of things that are to come. But those who will come after. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I set my heart to seek and search out my, vision, my wisdom concerning all that is done under the heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of men by which they may be ex, ex, yeah, exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all the vanity and grasping of the, for the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be numbered. I command with my heart, saying, Look, I have obtained greatness and have gained more wisdom than all who are before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge, and I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this is also grasping for the wind, for in which wisdom is much grief. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. What's he saying to us? What's he actually saying in that one chapter? What's he telling us? All the wisdom we gain, all the things that we see happening today, all the stuff that happened yesterday, and all the things that are going to happen tomorrow has already been done. All the sin of the world is not changed from day one. Sin is sin, sin will always be sin, and there will always be sin in the earth. Wisdom comes from people who seek wisdom. But be careful seeking your wisdom. Why does he want us to be careful seeking wisdom? Because with wisdom also comes sorrow. Why is that? The more we know about God, the more we know about our world, the more we know about each other, the more we know how to live the right way, and we see all the bad stuff going on, causes great sorrow, doesn't it? Our love for God is so strong in us that if we allow that love to flow from us, it affects other people's lives. If we hold it back, what happens? It affects our life, and it affects their life in a negative way. So we had the knowledge of God. We know who God is. We know who Christ is. 
And if we don't share it with others and we don't do what he's called us to do with it, it's going to bring us great sorrow. If you go on and read the rest of Ecclesiastes, you'll find out that it goes on to tell us that no matter what's in this world, nothing of this earth means anything to God. Not the gold, not the silver, not the, the platinum, diamonds, all that means nothing to God at all. It really doesn't. What means something to God? Your faith, your trust in Him, your love for Him. That's what He cherishes. That's some wisdom being poured out on you. Quit worrying about your riches on earth and start looking for your, your riches in heaven. Start searching for what is really important. Is your job important? Not to God. Is your house important? Not to God. What about your love for Christ? The most important thing you have is your love for Christ. The way you share Christ, the way you live for Christ, that is more important to him than anything else in this world. So if it's important to him that much, how important should it be to you? I'm getting way, way too theological this morning, aren't I? I'm getting way too, too preachy to y'all this morning, right? Good. I'm telling you what God has laid on my heart today is very simple and very plain is we are to serve God the way he requires us to. He doesn't want us trying to buy ourselves into heaven. He doesn't want us trying to work our way into heaven. There's only one way into heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. You're going to tell y'all something that you might not know? Y'all ready for this? That was free. It didn't cost you nothing. It don't cost you anything to go to your knees and ask Christ in your life. Oh, I know there's people out there in the world that they've been church hurt by churches that preach nothing but tithing and giving to their money and giving to the missions. And every time they're going to church, somebody's asking them for money. Let me tell you something, guys. That's not what God is about. God could care less about your money. Now, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying that. God could care less about your money. You know what God wants? He wants your love. He wants your heart. He wants your faith in Christ. Now, why is that so important to him? He owns everything else, so why does he care what you got? It all belongs to him anyway. The only thing that doesn't belong to him until you go to your knees and ask Christ in your life is you. You don't belong to him anymore. Until you turn your life over to Christ, you don't belong to him. Yes, he is the creator. Yes, he is the father of all. But when do you actually become his? When do you actually become God's child? When you ask Christ into your life. Because of the curse, it's that way. It's bad. I wish we never had that curse. I wish Eve had never listened to the devil. I wish Adam had been the man he was supposed to be and had been responsible for the way he was supposed to be. And when she picked the fruit and brought it to him to eat, he should have said, woman, put that down. What, are you crazy? That's what he should have done. But what did he do? 
He ate of the fruit. Eve eating of the fruit didn't have anything to do with us, did it? It's when Adam ate that brought the curse. If he'd have refused to eat it, we'd have been okay. But that ain't what happened. Reality is, we are in a cursed world. And everybody says, well, why does God allow this to happen? Why does God allow this? Why does God let corrupt governments go? Why does God do? God, I don't know how to say this. It's going to come out wrong. God don't care. God doesn't care what these presidents do. God doesn't care about the Congress. God doesn't care about your gun rights. Now, I know some of y'all don't like that. But he doesn't care about that stuff. The only thing he cares about is your immortal soul. What you do with your soul means everything to him. Everything else is vanity and has no value. Does that make sense? So what is the greatest gift that we have? Ourselves, our salvation, the gift of Christ. And then not only did we get that great gift, but then Christ himself turned around and gave us another gift. Y'all ready for this one? Christ came and died for our salvation. And when he ascended into heaven, he had enough sense to know we couldn't do it by ourselves. So he sent the Holy Spirit to live with us and live in us. Oh, Jay, I don't believe in that Holy Spirit stuff. You better get a grip on it. You better get a hold of that Holy Spirit stuff because that Holy Spirit is just as important to your life as Christ is. He guides us. He leads us. He teaches us. He convicts us. He changes our lives. He gives us right from wrong. There you go. He's the one that's going to bring havoc into your life or blessing. If you're being obedient to God and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're following the Holy Spirit's lead, you're going to be blessed because you're living for the right reason. The rest of the stuff we live for, oh, I'm guilty of it, guys. I'm just as guilty as y'all are. I got five motorcycles and three vehicles and a house. I'm guilty. I don't need all that garbage. What I need is a relationship with God. What I need is my relationship with Christ. And what I really need is the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to get me from day one to day, how many days it is in, three, in 63 years? A bunch. But I need him to continue leading me, continue showing me how to live my life, continue loving me the way he always did. See, God loves us more than anything else in this world. As a matter of fact, we're the only thing in this world that he does love. And I didn't make that up. If you don't believe me, look over there at chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes. It'll pretty much tell you the same thing I'm telling you right now. Nothing else matters to God except us. Diane's going to read it to see. <laughs> Which I don't blame her. God's ideas... And God's ways are way so much better than ours that if we'll just trust in his word, y'all hear what I said? Trust in his word of what the word says. 
Don't listen to what religion says. Don't listen to what the politicians say. Don't listen to what the preachers say. Get into the Word of God and find out what the Word of God says and live by the Word of God. You'll be a better off person. You will do the right things in God's eyes, and you will understand that nothing else is important but the Word of God and how we live for Him. I'm getting loud. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I ain't getting sorry. I ain't sorry I'm loud. I'm excited about the fact that I've been receiving the Word of God all morning that said it's time for us to stop candy coating stuff, quit panty wasting stuff, and get into the real world of the religious things and talk about the truth of God. It's time for people to wake up and realize that God has a purpose for each one of you. Oh, but J.R., it's cold outside. I don't want to get up and go to church. Tough. The football game's on tonight. I don't want to miss it. Tough. I, 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 I got a thousand excuses of why I can't do it. <laughs> Suck it up, Buttercup. I got this. <laughs> like Tim so elegantly said, Use all your excuses to build a bridge and get over yourself. Get over what's bothering you. Get over your excuses. Get over the fact that you was molested when you was a child. Get over the fact that you didn't have the greatest relationship with your mom and daddy. Get over the fact that you were an orphan. Get over the fact that you're a widow. Get over the fact that your wife died. Get over the fact that everything else in this world is falling apart around you. Put your faith in God and find the joy of Jesus. Let Jesus come into your life and fill you with joy even when there ain't no joy. In your darkest time, let Jesus enter into your life and find joy. He's there for you. God sent Him here for you. He is your Savior. If you don't know what Savior means, look it up. He's not here just for your salvation. He's here for your daily salvation. Y'all, I'm preaching this harder than y'all are listening. I'm telling you, you got to get a hold of this stuff, folks. It ain't about us. We're not the we're not the stars of this show. Christ is the star of the show. The Holy Spirit is the stage manager, and He allows us to enter the stage with Christ. And if we don't follow the Holy Spirit, we're not going to find Christ, and we're not going to find God because no one comes to the Father except through Christ. And no one comes to Christ unless they're led by the Spirit. And I didn't make that up, y'all. I didn't write the rules. I'm here to enforce them and tell you what they are. Quit making excuses for your life. Stop making excuses why you don't serve God the way you're supposed to. Oh, it's, it's inconvenient sometimes. Guarantee it. I guarantee you, it's inconvenient sometimes. Most especially when I'm sound asleep at 6.30 in the morning and my phone rings. That's an inconvenience, folks. But what happens when you call me, the ones of y'all that have? What happens? I pick up the phone. Good morning. How are you? Why do I do it? Because I'm obedient to what God called me to be. He called me to be a pastor of this church. Some of y'all may not like that. There's been people that come and go that didn't like me being the pastor here. All I can tell them to do, suck it up, buttercup. 
because I'm going to be here till God takes me home. And evidently, he ain't ready for me yet. Everybody always asks me, why is Ecclesiastes so important to me? That right there is why Ecclesiastes is so important to me. Because it tells me that no matter what is on this earth, it doesn't matter until I put God in it. Oh, I just opened the door or something, didn't I? See, when I put God in my job, my job becomes easier. My job becomes more productive. When I put God into my finances, what happens to my finances? They multiply. What happens when I put God in my family? They flourish. What happens when I put God in my Tahoe? It keeps running. You understand what I'm saying to you? No matter what I put God into, it comes out better than when I leave God out of it. You want your house to be better? Move God into it. Put Jesus in the living room. Put the Holy Spirit in the bedroom, the bathroom, the kitchen. Put God in your house all over the place. Walk around your house and tell the devil to get out. Walk to every porthole in your house, every window, every door, and tell Jesus, get out of here. What? Oh, y'all are listening. Okay. Tell that devil, get out of my house. This belongs to God. This house in my house belongs to God. And if you want to, go get you one of them plaques and hang it by your front door. It says, as for me in my house, I will serve the Lord. There ain't no reservation for the devil. He's only got one place to live. And he needs to go there and stay there, don't he? How's he going to get there? We got to send him there. We got to send him out of our houses. We got to send him out of our lives. You want your workplace to be a better workplace? Tell the devil to get out. Now, my boss don't like me doing that Christian stuff. Build a bridge, get over it. Suck it up, Buttercup, because the devil ain't welcome here no more. And if you're serving, if you're serving the devil, I don't want to work for you anyway. Am I right? If you're going to turn your life over to Satan, I want out of this place. Get your life straight, folks. Get an Ecclesiastes happen in your life. Get to the point where none of this other stuff matters to you except your relationship with God. When you put God first, what can come second? Everything. You put God in your life, you put God in your house, you put God in your job, you put God in everything you do, everything else in life is second. Oh, but JR, that means my family's, my family has to come second? My kids have to come second? My husband has to come second? My wife has to become second? What about me? Last. I'm the last thing on the list, according to the Word of God. Why do we have to put God first? Does anybody know the answer to that? Why do we have to put God first? He's the creator of all things. We belong to Him. We belong to Him from the beginning of time. Huh? 
he loved us first. That's the best answer. He loved us so much that he made us into his own image. He took a pile of dirt. Are y'all listening to me? He took a pile of dirt and formed it into the shape of a man. Came down to earth, got down on his knees, bent over that pile of dirt, and breathed life into it. The Bible says that he knew me before I was even formed in my mother's womb. Think about that one for a minute. He knew you before you were even conceived. So when does life start? When God says so. When he conceived us in our mother, we were life. Now, all you other people out there that don't like that, suck it up, buttercup. Build a bridge. Get over it. Life starts when God breathes life into that embryo. That's the way I feel. I'm getting tired, y'all. I'm getting tired. But let me tell you something. God's words and God's ways are so much stronger and better than ours. And if we'll stop trying to live for us and live for Him, our life will be better. Does that mean we're not going to face some stuff? Does that mean we ain't going to have trouble in our life? Does that mean we ain't going to get sick? Does that mean we ain't going to die someday? But I'm going to live again. See, that's the thing about death. I'm not scared to die. This body could lay down in this floor right now if it wants to. Because I'm not dying when that body lays down. My eternal soul is going to heaven. I'm going home to live with Jesus and Daddy. I'm going to be sitting at the foot of the throne of God. I'm going to be worshiping with the cherubs and the angels. I'm going to be singing praise to God. I'll probably sing better then than I do now. Amen. <laughs> you know what, though? A lot of people, a lot of people are going to say, I miss him. A lot of people are going to say, sorry, he's gone. There'll be some people who'll be glad I'm gone. Yeah, don't shake your heads, because there are people out there that don't like me, and I know that, and it's okay. Because God didn't say I had to like everybody. He said I had to love them. And his love for me was there even when I was at my worst. So i got to love people at their worst. may not like what they're doing, but i got to love them. Am I touching some notes this morning? Am I ringing some bells for people? Am I telling you something that you didn't already know? Maybe. Or maybe somebody just needs to refresh your memory of what you are. And according to Ecclesiastes, us without God is nothing. Your life without God in it is void. You have no significance. Until you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Man. That ought to be enough to make this church fill up with people. There should not be a chair in this place that was empty. I don't care if it is nine degrees outside. I don't know about y'all, but God's got me a little warm right now. I'm about ready to get rid of this flannel shirt. Huh? Be careful.
may not be anything under there. <laughs> Guys, I come in here every Sunday, and I talk to you about God. I talk to you about Jesus. And I talk to you about your relationship with Christ. And I ask the same question every week. And I know it gets redundant to some of y'all that are here every day and every week. It gets old hearing that same old story, right? Suck it up, buttercup. It ain't about you. It's about that one out there that doesn't know Jesus. It's that one out there in the sound of my voice or out there on that cable television or wherever they see it on Facebook, YouTube. I don't know where all it's at. Annie's got a list of places. She's got... If it's a social media, it's probably there. The Word of God is going to be put out. And it's up to you whether you accept it or not. Consistency of the truth is the truth. And the truth is, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you take your last breath today, Without God in your life and without Christ in your life, you're going to hell. I didn't write the rules. I didn't make the rules. My job is to enforce the rules and to tell you what the rules say. And the rules say if you do not accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior before you die, when you do die, you're going to die another death. And that death is a separation for God for eternity. Clenching of teeth, burning of your skin, thirst beyond anything you've ever experienced. But the worst part of all that is, I could deal with the sunburn. I might even deal with being thirsty. But to deal without the presence of God around me would be devastating to me. I've felt God, I've seen God's works. I've seen what the Holy Spirit can do. And to separate me from that would be the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. And I don't want that for anybody. Because right now, you may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But you still have the Holy Spirit around you. You still have the grace of God that's comforting you when you mess up. I've had people ask me, well, why didn't God kill me back when I got shot in 2000 or 1978 or whatever? Because God's grace was there for you until you accepted Christ. He wasn't going to let you go. He knew you were going to. He just didn't know when. God don't force us to do it, guys. I can't force you to accept Christ. I can't make you do it. All I can do is tell you the story. That if you don't do it, you're going to hell. If you do accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you become obedient to the Word of God, and you do what God gave you to do, you're going to be blessed on the earth as if you were in heaven. What you bind in heaven will be bound on earth, and what you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. All the promises that God gives us are yours as soon as you accept Jesus. That mean it's all going to come together right then? No, you got to learn some stuff. You got to study some words. You got to go to Bible studies. Oh, plugging that again, all right. You got to go to some Bible studies. 
you got to do some studying on your own, and you got to do some fellowshipping with Christian people, and you got to do something that a lot of people forget about every once in a while, and that is you got to pray about it. You got to ask God for what you need, what you want. These are things that are truths. But until you know Jesus, you can read the Bible till you turn blue. You can pray till your voice runs out. You can go to church till you fall over going out the door. But until you have a relationship with Christ, you've wasted your time and you're not gained anything. It's about your relationship with Christ. If you don't know Jesus this morning, there's no reason for you not to get on your knees and ask Christ in your life. The truth has been presented to you. And I know for a fact the Holy Spirit's in it. I know the Holy Spirit's dealing with people right now. So are you listening? Are you listening to that small voice inside of you that says, listen to what the man's telling you? Oh, I'm not no doomsday preacher, guys. I don't know. I don't even pretend to know when the end of the world's coming. But I can tell you this. There's no expiration date on your foot. You don't know when you're going to check out. And if you check out without Christ in your life, you're going to hell. Oh, it's going to be great. If Jesus comes tomorrow, that'd be wonderful. It'd be awesome. But I've been hearing about Jesus coming for over 2,000 years now. I can do the math on that, okay? I'm not going to live 2,000 more years. I don't know if it's going to take him that long to come or not. Oh, we got scholars out there that say, oh, he's coming next year. We had one guy tell him, tell us he was coming, and if we didn't give him $20,000, he was going to die. We've had a lot of prophets, a lot of false teachers telling us that Jesus is coming today. But see, I'm a little bit of an intellect. I like to read things. And I read in the book, the book says no one knows the hour or the time or the date. The, only the Father knows. And He ain't telling nobody. He shared everything with Jesus, but He didn't even tell Jesus when He's coming. So, when is Christ coming? When God says so. When are you going to die? When God says so, what's the chances of you dying before Christ comes? Pretty good. Based on historical value of the Bible, time, and places. Now, I'm not predicting that Jesus is not coming tonight, okay? Y'all don't go home and say, J.R. said Jesus ain't coming for 2,000 years. I didn't say that. I said, I don't know when he's coming, but I know this. If I check out tonight, if I check out tonight, my next breath is going to be in the gates of heaven. You know why I know? Because that's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I accepted him as that. And I live for him for that. And I follow his teachings for that. That's how I know. If you can't say the same thing, let's fix it today. Oh, I could give you that little story about y'all could leave here and drive out on 78 and get hit by a bus and get killed today. But then if you drive out of the parking lot and you don't get hit by the bus and you don't get killed today, I uh, Jr. didn't know what he was talking about. So I ain't going to tell you that. But I will tell you this. 
There's not a person in the cemetery that knew they were going to die the moment they died. I'm, am I right? We don't know when it's going to happen. But I know how to prepare myself for when it does happen. And that is to humble myself, accept the fact that I'm a sinner, and ask Jesus into my life. That I do know how to do. And I know it works. If you don't know him today, whose fault is it? It's yours. If you're within the sound of my voice, you've heard these preachings before. You, this is the first time you ever heard it. You still know it. So what are you going to do with it? Are you going to gamble on eternity in hell? Or are you going to take a sure bet that there is a heaven? It's sure. People say, how do you know? Because I know that I know that I know. That's all I had to say. But, Jerry, what if you're wrong? Okay, I'll give you five seconds of me being wrong. I lived my life doing good for people, helping the widows and the orphans, giving to charities, loving on people, talking to people about their salvation. I gave my life a best shot I had. And if I'm wrong, what do I lose? But now, let's change places. You, what are you going to lose if it is true? And you don't accept it. You're going to lose it all. You've got nothing. I'd rather have my chances with heaven than I had with hell. But I know for a fact Christ is real. Because the Holy Spirit told me he was. God has showed me time and time and time again that there is a God in heaven. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen Jesus heal people. I ain't even going to get into that. I'm not going to tell you how many times the Holy Spirit has changed my life to the better. We're not going to get into that either. Those are things that you'll find out on your own. And when somebody says, how do you know you're going to heaven? Because I know that I know. And I know that Jesus is my Savior. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're within the sound of my voice, this prayer is for you as well as it is for the people in this room. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you send the Holy Spirit upon each person in this room. That the Spirit comes and talks to them in a way that they understand it. Give them the truth of who they are and what they are and where they're going. Lead them into the place of acceptance of Christ. If they've already accepted Christ, lead them into the experience of being obedient to the Word of God. Show them how to live the right way. Walk with us, talk with us, and teach us. Comfort us in our hours of mourning, our hours of sickness. Bring us to a place of reality of who Christ is. I ask that you bless each one of them. Financially, health, finances, family relationships, addictions, and anything else that goes outside the powers of God. Anything the devil's throwing at them, God, put your hand on it and relieve it. Take it away from their lives. This in Jesus' name I ask. And if anybody agrees with me, say amen. Amen.
if you never accepted Christ before, if you need Jesus in your life today, stand up, come on up here, let's pray it out. Let's ask Jesus into your life today. Oh, JR, I've been saved for years. Have you been living for him? Have you been doing what he called you to do? Have you gave yourself 100% to him? If you haven't, let's fix that too. All you got to do is ask him. If you're sick, you're hurting, you need prayer for healing, we can do that too. Whatever your needs are today, Jesus is still in the healing business. He's still in the forgiving business. He's still in the make you right business. But you've got to make your mind up to do it. Father, go with us now as we leave here today. Watch over us throughout the week. Watch over us during this cold weather time, Father. Bring comfort and peace to our lives. And most importantly of all, let us bring joy to other people's lives through your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas, 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.